You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey, Frankie. Hey, Adam. We're back. Bonjour. With another mystery. It's, it's a bittersweetish one, isn't it? Because uh, this is the last of season three. Yeah, I know. Uh, the last short one for a while, isn't it? Yes, we're going. Uh, we're going full length. Mm, yeah, getting more more bang for your buck, listener. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, does it? Or more more pop. Oh, Thank you. very good hunting. It's not just uh, it's not just you that's the master of all puns. Hey, do you want to tell everyone about your pun? That, you know, <laughs> no, your incredibly cause... funny pun that I appreciated greatly. No, um, because it sounds from... embarrassing yes. now. No, it doesn't. I'll read it out for you. <laughs> no, don't. No, I'm going to. Okay. No, because so you have to give context. Sent me this. I have to give context okay. then. No, I'm just going to read it. Over. <laughs> So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so not only did you like totally gloss over it now you're like shaming me for it publicly gloss over it. i don't think that ever happened so <laughs> frankie went to a halloween ball at the weekend didn't you yes i did okay i'm gonna read this message for baton <laughs> so there, were... <laughs> there were loads of different rooms in the ball with different themes and events happening we went into one and there was a guy dressed as Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. A bunch of people were taking photos of him. So you said. <laughs> He's Edgar Allan posing. <laughs> but I must have said you... it louder than I realised because the people heard me say that. The res- Absolutely lost their minds. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but they actually, and this is the thing. So I also sent Adam a, a, a verification message from my friend Edith <laughs> because it sounds like a made up story, especially the reaction to it, because I'm not exaggerating listeners because I would never do that to you. Uh, people were cheering, whooping. People were going like, oh my God, I got four high fives. Four high did fives. Did you really? I did. Well, hang on. Let's just see if you're telling the truth. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just going to now ask Edith Rivers, who is of sound mind, to verify that what happened last night actually happened. Edith. It's true, I've never been so, so proud of my life. Uh, it was also the fact that it was 1am in the morning, <laughs> that and Frankie was sprightly as anything. Well, you know. We walked into a room full of people. There was about, you know, lots of people, and they were standing around taking photographs. Frankie bowls straight into it, into mid-scene, and says, Oh, what? You're Edgar Allan posing? Didn't say it like that. Didn't say it quite like that. <laughs> but they... Four high fives? Four high fives. Four high fives. And they fell about... They, <laughs> fell, they lost their s***. It was. I've never been prouder. Thank you. So, as we... To confirm, it was real and it really happened. <laughs> Never doubted you for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because, I, I mean, 
not everybody reacts that well to my puns in my life. Really? So, yeah, some people just ignore them entirely um, on Shocking. messages. So, um, yeah, weird. Uh, so I feel like I had to, after straight after it happened, I was like, no one's going to believe that this happened. But thankfully, I had a witness to this. So there we go. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yes. Frankie-fully. Frankfully, yeah. Frankfully, yes. <laughs> Fantastic as ever. <laughs> I can't help no, it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the world is a better place for having you and your puns. Um, and they scored big time in our uh, Endless Night screening last week as well. So, yes. Um, that was fun. Very it was fun, yeah. It was very, a nice spooky treat, wasn't it? Yes, thank you to everybody that came along. It was really, really fun to watch it with everybody. We have some really funny listeners. People were really, really going for it. It was brilliant. We're going to do more of those in the future. So if you missed it, don't worry. We're going to do another one soon, aren't we? Yeah. Should we uh, Should we tease about what else is coming? <gasps> oh, okay. Go on then. Well, we Your thought big tease. maybe it would... <laughs> because this... <laughs> This podcast is mainly puns, jokes about coins, and um, catchphrases. <laughs> we thought maybe um, it would be a good idea to get some merch made. Yeah. Not, not only have we got some merch made, we've got a whole like line of merch. <laughs> and, and it's all good stuff as well, isn't it? It it's actually is. The it's la- really fun. <laughs> the Labours of Hercule Autumn Winter 2023 collection uh, <laughs> is looking pretty, I have to say, pretty stylish. Because we, we we talked about like, you know, you could get a lot of podcasts, not shaming anyone. You get a podcast with just a logo on it and that's fine on a T-shirt. That's fine. But we mm. we know what you guys like. We know the lines you guys yeah. like. And we are, yeah, I don't think anybody will be disappointed in the selection available. I think it's going to be pretty sick. I think so. it's going to be... Damn offensive. You're damned offensive, <laughs> dirty You're damned swine. Offensive. You're damned offensive. That's a little taste of what's to come. Uh, there's also a chance, I, I can't believe I'm getting to say this, but there's also a chance that you too could walk like Poirot. Let's just say that. <laughs> wow. wow. It's very exciting. For, for, for the Poirot fan uh, and the uh, Labours of Hercule listener in your life, Christmas is going to be taken care of. Let's just say that. For the Good dirty fun. swines in your life, there will be a suit. <laughs> there will be a suitable attire coming very soon. Yes, and there's even one if you're Team Lemon. <gasps> oh, or if you're more of a Jap of the Yard kind of person. <laughs> And one, one, a, a good friend of mine has designed a very special design. I, I did brief him on it, but he has nailed it. So I'm very excited for you all to see it. So yeah, watch out for news cool. about that soon. Amazing. Have we had any other correspondence? We have, you know. Oh, also, I wanted to say a huge thank you to Rebecca, who for our screening of uh, Lenders Night that we did, she did a cocktail recipe again. She always mm. does them. They are amazing. Uh, I stuck it on our social channels. So if you're if you're a cocktail fan, do go and check that out because yeah, really really lovely. Thank you for doing that, Rebecca. You are brilliant. Uh, so oh, we have an email from now. I should have looked up the pronunciation of this before. I came on the court, but, but you know what? Actually, that would ruin it's, the tradition. It's more fun this way. Yeah, it would ruin the tradition of me butchering people's names uh, and being damned offensive. You're damned offensive. Maya, 
M-A-J-A. She's from Finland. I'm so sorry if I got that horribly wrong, Maya. Uh, please forgive me. Uh, the subject line is inspirational Jap quote. She says, Bonjour. Greetings from Finland. Last time I watched the early episodes of Hercule Poirot was during the pandemic. Our national Finnish broadcasting company was considerate enough to put the whole series out. What better distraction in times of distress? 100% with you on that one. Uh, she said, I was 385 days into working from home when I watched The Spanish Chest, where the inspector Jap says, I don't know why I bother sometimes. I may as well stay at home and do my garden. Love that line. I love that Maya knows exactly to the day. Yeah. 385 days in that. Well... Incredible. Because it's inspired something. This captured precisely what I felt like. I actually took a study leave to become a professional gardener. Did not work in the law enforcement, but sure did a lot of typing earlier. Uh, I also took a, the screenshot of this inspirational quote, which she's attached for us. The Finnish subtitle saying, I may as well stay at home and do my garden. And the face of our favourite inspector saddened by the state of things. So that moment inspired her to go, I need to change my life. And wow. she trained to become a gardener. How cool is that? Japs changing lives for the better all over the shop. Jap of the garden. Jap of the backyard. The Jack of the backyard. He could, he could. Oh, I was about to say something about my backyard. I've got to say that. Uh, she said, just recent, <laughs> I just recently found your podcast through Instagram and enjoy it very much, especially the Spanish chest episode. Thank you. Uh, and that was from cool. Maya. Lovely. Well, thank you very much. And uh, good luck in your herbaceous endeavours. I mean, I don't know. I can't even pronounce her name properly, so I wouldn't. Um... Uh, I hope your green fingers stay green. <laughs> Let's not expand upon what I hope Frankie wants to do. That, to I, I'm glad. Well, something uh, to do with this hose. <laughs> a trowel. I'm a hoe. I'm a hoe for Jap's yard. Um, I'm very <laughs> glad that Poirot was able to plant the seeds of your future career development. Maya. I mean, it was no Edgar Allan posing. But, yeah, was well, that was, uh, you know... Uh, I've, that was the, in a bowl. The sad thing is I think I have peaked now in my life. Like, I've never had anyone that happy to see me <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> and I probably never will again. So, uh, and also they, it does help that they were all drunk. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that's my, my audience, I think, very drunk people. <laughs> uh, but yes. So apologies to you all listening sober right now. Um, so we also had a nice message from Renee. And she says, hi, Frankie and Adam. Such odd timing of the latest episode to coincide with the sad news of Hayden Gwynn's passing. I said that to you, didn't I? It was crazy. It yeah. Was just before we'd actually finished editing it as well. I was like, oh my God, have you seen the news? I know. You literally talk about how lovely she is in that episode as well. Yeah, because she is. And she's, oh, she's brilliant in that role. She's brilliant in everything. Such a loss. Um, she mm. says, I love, love, love the Victory Ball episode and also the third girl of which she stars in both. What a loss. Completely agree. Also, been loving, listening and loving as ever your banter and the new quiz concept is so on point. I think an end of series, but please never stop. Podathan Creek will be a thing. Your fans demand it. Uh, Tally will be a hoot. I hope whoever loses is not sour lemon. And I hope whoever wins can show their humility. Keep up the great work. P.S. How hot is Hastings as the Scarlet Pimpernel? Damn, girl. 100%, <laughs> Renee. Couldn't agree more. He is stupidly yep. hot in that episode. We also had a lovely message from Caroline who said, Hello, I was reading the ABC Murders and when I arrived at this passage, bracket C photo, I burst out laughing. Uh, someone should have told Agatha it is defensive, not offensive. Love the podcast, obviously, from Caroline. And the 
The line says, he's got a damned offensive manner, said Clark. <laughs> so she knew a catchphrase when she wrote one, old Agatha Christie. I think. She sure did. So thank you for all the emails we received. If you'd like to also have your email read out on the podcast, please do email us at bonjouratthelabourersofhercule.com. Cool. So we have some social messages as well to read out. Great. (laughs) Uh, We had a lovely message. We actually have a few lovely messages from Millie. Lovely Millie, who you know very well. Oh, Millie McKenzie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey. Indeed. Uh, She said, I figured out who you two are. You're Kirsty and Phil. I saw this message earlier on. Yes. So I'm assuming Kirsty. Well, because you are a Phil's massive... Phil's the funny one. Because <laughs> uh, you're a massive Tory uh, voter. Uh, oh, no, that must be you then. <laughs> uh, damn defensive, damn swine. Uh, yes. Uh, but Lily... Uh, Lily, oh my God. Millie also... Uh, has been very sweetly recommending our podcast and she says i recommend you to everyone i meet sometimes i actually have to explain what a podcast is so been there millie (laughs) been there a lot my (laughs) mum keeps going oh my daughter's a blogger i'm like nope nope (laughs) not not a blogger but never mind it's the thought that counts i guess isn't it i told my dad that i was a podcaster once and he went out and bought himself a radio so he could listen (laughs) that's pretty sweet Um, then he asked me how it works. <laughs> well, it's, it's very sweet. Where do I turn to? to, listen to- <laughs> I ended up buying an iPod, uh, filled it with my episodes. I said, there you go. All we do is press play. And he went, okay, and put it in a drawer and never touched it again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, parents, they are yeah. something. So supportive. Yes. Very, it's the thought that counts of these things. It's the not thinking. That really <laughs> <in my> dad. <laughs> Just be on the radio, Adam. It's not his fault you make it so difficult, for them's sake. The thing is, when I was on the bloody radio, <laughs> I presented a whole series on the BBC and I gave him times and told him how to listen and everything. And um, he still didn't bother. Why weren't so, the times more you. convenient for him? I think it's quite selfish of you, actually. But anyway. Yeah, they cut into his drinking time, I think. Well, I mean, if, that is, if you will insist on doing doing it then i don't know what to tell you doing it in waking hours how inconsiderate of me <laughs> damn defensive dirty swine uh dirty swine little humble brag coming people uh we've had quite a little flurry of new followers on our instagram account which is lovely and we've had some nice messages for example from carolyn bell hair and i know it's not bel-air because she's a hairdresser <laughs> carolyn bell hair <laughs> She's missing a trick there. She could be the fresh prince of Bel Hair. The fresh prince she... of Bel Hair. <laughs> the Basically. blue rinse of Bel Hair. <laughs> oh, that's good. Thank anyway, you. Now you've got to do you got to use that one. Well, Carolyn was chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and shooting some <laughs> b-ball outside of the school when she said <laughs> A couple of found... podcasters are up to no. <laughs> <laughs> Just found your podcast as it appeared on my algorithm, binging them all at an alarming rate. So good, great. Alarming. <laughs> it is quite alarming. Um, well, she—it's probably because she's alarmed because she got into one little fight and her mum got scared. So she's <laughs> sent her. Now she's got to move house. Wow. <laughs> yeah, gotta go move to a salon in Bel Hair. <laughs> but thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the family. <laughs> Also, a message from Craig F. Johnson, who says, love Adam's impressions of you, Frankie. <laughs> well, do we, do we love those? Frankie does too. Mmm, yes. <laughs> Is that what I speak? 
No, sorry. Hang on a minute. Let me try again. Were you Edgar Allan posing? <laughs> Why do I sound like a Victorian orphan when you do my voice? Like, please, sir, can I have some puns? Is that how I speak? Bloody hell. Damn defensive, dirty swine. Um, we also had a message from uh, Jamie. Uh, who says, hi, Frankie and Adam. If you're after a bit of an old-timey radio run, check out Death at Broadcasting House. Now, Adam, you are an old-timey radio person. Do you know this already, I'm sure? Um, I know the film. Um, yeah. Is that what she's talking about? Yeah, he is talking about that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah, it's in my library, actually. Um, Yeah, it's a great film. It's set at the BBC, and it's written and starring Val Gielgud, who's Ooh. John Gielgud's brother, and he plays a radio producer who's putting on a radio play, and the real murder happens, and then oh. Ian Hunter is a detective, and he has to come and solve the, the crime, and it's filmed actually in the old part of the BBC, because when I was there, I was like, alright, look at these stairs, please, and, and my friend Dominic took me all around the place, and I could see the microphone, I could see the little pastures wow. they use, and everything. Wow, that's very yeah. cool. Did he, Gielgud, he knew that he would? <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm not convinced. <laughs> he says I'm not. I'm not. Well, that's interesting. He says I'm not convinced that it actually was filmed at Broadcasting House, but you get to see what I think is a fairly accurate representation of what performing a radio play was like in 1934. Um, I'm afraid I can't comment on the mystery, having fallen asleep halfway through. Also true of Kenneth Branagh's haunting in Venice. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, you started off so well, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was filmed at BBC because my my friend Dominic, who produced me there, he was the one that introduced me to the film and he showed me around the places in the film. He's like, look, remember this bit? Remember this bit? So yeah, it's definitely filmed there. Very cool. Yes, and, uh, haunting in Venice. Yes. <laughs> What's Sopher- that? Soporific masterpiece. Um. Hmm. Uh, I also just want to check, before I check this, I asked this lady how to pronounce her name. So I just want to make sure I don't. Darn I. <clears throat> Thank you. Right. <clears throat> we, ah, we finally got a pronunciation guide. On this yes. <laughs> uh, we had a lovely message from Darn I. Darn I, I said your name right. I read, you did it, for, you wrote it phonetically for me because I'm stupid. Thank you for doing that. Said, um, <laughs> glad to see another episode land. Just an FYI, listening to the gorgeous Hugh reading Poirot stories on Spotify Premium. So yeah, if you've got a Spotify oh. account and you have a premium, they have loads of audiobooks on there now included in your your subscription, which is amazing. And loads of the Poirot stories are on there. Uh, he seems to be reading for HarperCollins and doing the voices too. Highly recommended. Yes, Hugh Fraser reads them magnificently. So if, if after the episode of this podcast, you want to listen to more Agatha Christie goodness and more Hugh Fraser loveliness, then get on Spotify and have a little listen because it's all included. I used to own all of those HarperCollins CDs. Yeah, so he used to buy one a month, and um, yeah, he does a great job. He does Poirot so well. Oh, like I listen to so many of those that when you get to the ones that Suchet reads, you do think to yourself, "Oh, I actually miss Hugh Fraser." <laughs> <laughs> I so. always miss Hugh Fraser, especially at night. Um, hey, Hugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's definitely listening. <laughs> he's oh, like your dad. He's his radio's out tuning away. <laughs> um, we also had a lovely message from Deb who says, Dear Frankie and Adam, I was Poirot Stively, 
that's pouring positively. I really love that. Yeah, I did to find your podcast recently <laughs> through Instagram. I just started my fifth or sixth watch through this year and have been desperate to share my love of Poirot with like-minded people. I finally caught up to your latest episode. I'm happy to discover I'm not alone in my obsession and I absolutely cannot wait to continue listening and laughing out loud as you go through the rest of the series. Thank you for putting together such a humorous and heartwarming podcast. And that's from Debbie in Massachusetts. Well, tour. Well, Massachusetts. <laughs> I would love to go to Massachusetts, especially Salem. That's been on my list for a very long time. That world tour, by the way, it's going to be longer than the era's tour at this rate. <laughs> so, uh... And will sell just as well. I'm confident yes, yes. of that. And an- I mean, another it's one. Going to take at least a hundred pounds <laughs> in our in our bums. <laughs> Uh, we also had a really uh, speaking of locations to add to the tour hello from greece Ooh. yes from this is Is it Rhodes? it's not from Rhodes. he says from athens (laughs) not from Rhodes. um and he says this is from bombia on twitter he says a week ago i found your great podcast and today i celebrated new year with you and now i'm listening to the veiled lady so great to be honest i'm having a great time listening to your comments about the marvelous poirot episodes i'm also i'm also a proud owner of a Suchet poirot tattoo so i may have found my soulmate so i'm coming you to greece if he, yeah if he makes you lambs lambs spit spits or whatever it's called. <laughs> lambs in <laughs> bowels and spit i will eat your bowels, bowels and, spit. and spit yeah delicious yeah, so um yeah bombia get on the old bowels and spit Frankie not only there. has he got a sushi poro tattoo he's got a felix the cat tattoo which if you remember from our now this is a this is a callback to our episode about the dream where i told the story about the recurring dream i used to have as a child about somebody stalking me dressed as felix the cat <laughs> and he has a felix the cat tattoo how weird is that he said laugh so mm. much when you mentioned your felix the cat dream i thought i was the only per- uh, person remembering dear felix uh so no you're not because he haunts my nightmares uh and he says it's a really great podcast i am a proud poirot groupie like poirot groupie <laughs> no pun intended nice. but yes so there we go so i'm moving to greece okay nice well, as long as we can still communicate by zoom and as long as they have a costco we can visit <laughs> that's time. all that matters <laughs> costos costa <laughs> oh, del co uh we'll yeah Thank you for that message. That's brilliant. We have got a couple more. Sorry, we're very popular these days. Um, also had that's weird. I know, right? Imagine listening to us and liking it. Um, Rekaru uh, said, "I'm amazed to have just stumbled upon this. I've just finished the Poirot series. The emptiness. Not that I needed to, a reason to rewatch, but it's wonderful to see there is an actual podcast following it. Also, to see so many other fans is lovely. So, thank you, Rekaru." It really is, actually. It blows our minds. Every message, every comment that everybody does on all of our social stuff, I see all of it. I see every single one. And I love how much of a community is now kind of building up around Poirot because everyone's out there. We're just, we're just a nice excuse to bring everyone together for the tour uh, and for listening. So thank you, everyone. It's honestly the most wonderful, magical thing ever. Um, two more to go and then we have a review and then we can actually start the episode. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 it's cool. Yeah, no, people take the time to write in. They should oh, exactly. Be heard. Um, Amplify them. Damn. Corrective. 
I don't know what that was. Ignore that. Um, please. Oh, amplify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that amplify. That was what I meant to do. Damn it. This is why we're a team. Uh, also had uh, a thank you to Matt Hoosery, who sent me a link to an article on movieweb.com, basically saying that the Kenneth Branagh Agatha Christie films are surely over now. Uh, their reasoning is that apparently the Venice film hasn't actually done very well financially. Right, right. Yeah, I read that too. My campaign has worked. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you snuffed out that little flame of joy. Kenneth Branagh <laughs> snuffed it out all by himself. Thank you very much. Um, but we'll see, I suppose. You never know. We thought it. We thought he had uh, died in a uh, died on the Nile, but then it came back in Venice. So you never know when he will return. Um, I guess we'll find out. Also, a lovely message from Mrs. Ray Purchase, who is a frequent messenger. She said uh, she's in. Uh, and I just had this really meant a lot said, mate, I'm in a weird phase where I'm only comfort listening to your podcast and then watching the episodes on repeat. <laughs> nice. That's what I do. Yeah, me too, to be fair. Is I, that... I haven't actually gone that far ahead. When we were doing ser- season one, I, I think I got all the way to the end of series two by the time we were sort of halfway through recording series one episodes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I prefer to do it like this. I prefer to. It's nice to go along mm. as we go. Today's episode, actually, I watched it in the gym yesterday. Look at you humble bragging about the gym. No, I was on a, I was on a, a treadmill with my, my phone watching this and just surrounded by rats because it's half term. Are they going to say, well, the other awful. alpha males in the gym very threatened by your masculine viewing choice? <laughs> I was I was walking quickly, shall we say. I wasn't running. Mincing. Like, like, proper, like proper, yeah, I was mincing. Your coin. coin. Inserted. And um, every time someone walked walked behind my treadmill and glanced at my phone i did sort of oh, God. Oh. you should have been like and what Co- yeah. best thing ever and what i was Jealous. dressed as poirot as well <laughs> you had your cane on yeah. the treadmill as you were <laughs> mincing along uh i think that would be i i saw someone watching poirot at the gym i'd be pretty pretty impressed with that just me and you then yeah absolutely uh also had a comment from foxy face charles which is a great name <laughs> and he said another excellent podcast can't wait for the next one and now getting closer to one of my all-time favorite poirots the abc murders really close hey, now uh, ask me what the next episode is <gasps> oh well normally ask at the end but hey adams what what's the next episode after this one it's the abc murders what who could have seen that what a surprise <laughs> <laughs> It was as easy as ABC to figure it out. Um, I alphabet you were excited to reveal that one. You see, it's not always about quality with me. It's Clearly. Occasionally, <laughs> I get lucky, and that's what happened at the ball. Um <laughs> But anyway, uh, thank you for all your lovely messages on social media. Mm. Uh, Please do continue to send them and follow us on Labours of Hercule. We're on all of them pretty much, but Instagram is the kind of favourite. It's more interactive and it's more visual and it's more fun. It's really fun. We also had, last but not least, a lovely, lovely review from Badger506. You know, the the 506th Badger uh, wrote in. And gave us five stars. Just quickly, I'm sorry if I ran you over the other day. Speaking Did, of, it was wearing it was wearing Levo 501, so it might be <laughs> Speaking of culls, I think we might need to have a talk <laughs> about this podcast. Uh, so anyway, Badger 506 uh, gave us a lovely five star review uh, with the subject line of fantastic, and it's quite long, so bear with me. <clears throat> okay. I absolutely love your podcast. It's a delicious oasis in a very long, dry search for quality podcasts. I join in. 
I know. Wow. I love Oasis as well. What a refreshing drink. Um, I join in. Do you like the band? Uh, I said maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, come on, Badger 506. Maybe you're going to be the one that says. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I join in when I can with a smile and expectation like a child expecting a surprise. You both dissect and describe each episode as if we were all fortunate enough to participate in the episode along with you and the characters. Your attention to detail and articulation of the story are a true homage to old time radio classics. I can listen on the road without the benefit of video and still enjoy your program. I doubt I will ever catch up with your podcast schedule versus what I can view, but wanted you to know how very much I enjoy your show. You should be getting a kickback from BritBox as you were the sole reason for my subscription. Your chemistry together is fantastic. The descriptions, observations, and candid humor of the content make the listener feel we are right alongside you both. I have picked up some choice phrases that otherwise I would have otherwise not had the pleasure of uttering at others. Ha-ha. I wonder what they are. <laughs> Down defense a few to make assumptions. Uh, he said, I wish, I wish you much continued successes and hope to see some merchandise as I would gladly purchase it to support your projects. Merchandise. Damn, that's good. Uh, Amazing. That's that's such a lovely. Yes, Thank that you very was much. respectfully and gratitude from JM in Florida, USA. So wow, Thanks, what a bloody that, that, lovely review. I know that was wonderful of you to. Oh, uh, <laughs> you see, Thank I don't you know. So much. Did Oasis go big in America? There are a lot of people listening right now being like, "What?" I don't know. And I don't care. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) What's the story? Morning glory. (laughs) People will be asking as they listen. So yeah. Another thing people might be asking is where this time's quiz is. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Frankie and I have been so busy over the Halloween week, um, we decided to park the quiz this time, but we're going to do double the quizzing next time, which fits in rather well because... Next time is a uh, well, it's a full length, isn't it? So yes, it's and it's a, first of series four. <gasps> wow, it's really exciting! But um, thank you again for, to everyone that wrote in or got in touch. If you want to do so, bonjour at the labors of <laughs> or get in touch on Instagram. That's um, that's the social of choice. Let's be honest. X is dying to death, so yeah, I still do post, <laughs> but it's yeah. um, it's not the Instagram is kind of where it's at, guys. To sound to, to sound like one of the kids, down with the kids as I am, uh, <laughs> Instagram is where it's at, son. Um, Plus, it's a bit more interactive as well. Yeah, you can set reminders and yeah, you can get you can, you can sort of become part of the team. Uh, also, we're on Threads and Blue Sky if you uh, like those, and we are on X. It's just the it's just the yeah, it's not uh, as, not as fun as it used to be. Frankie, you ready to solve a mystery? Let's go hunting for a mystery. The bullet there. Oh, <laughs> let's go. I know someone who didn't know. Oh, <laughs> nice fun. <laughs> so we're at the mystery of Hunter's Lodge. First of all, White Heaven Four. We're sort of seventy-five percent of them this time. Three out they of four all show up. So yeah, we're getting to that point now as well where they're starting to drift away. We're 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 a little lacking in lemon on this one, unfortunately. But. Yeah, but we do get Jap. Jap's oh, in a yes. proper bad mood. <laughs> I love on. it. He's, the way he treats like rural policemen. 
I need to have a word with him. He's he's an alpha male. It's not his fault. <laughs> it really it's, is. He just can't help it. Yeah, he just has to pr- assert his authority. He comes in a bit of a gorilla, chest beating. Volt- mm. We'll get to that later, but I'm just happy to see him in whatever mood yeah, he's too. in. He is a bit of a Japweiler. With, uh, <laughs> <the> <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yes. Anyway, so we open on a nice country scene. I've always thought this was set in Scotland. Am I wrong? Or is this just somewhere in England? Um, They don't actually... I mean, I don't know. Are the locations they have on the train stations real? Because <laughs> I've never heard of them before. No idea. I guess, you know, do you know, if only there was some sort of online resource we could use to find out if they were real places or not. I mean, something we could type in the name oh. of the place, hit enter, and it could tell you... If the place was fictional. Hold on, I'll just get out my uh, my atlas and have a quick check. <laughs> get my globe, uh, my Encyclopedia Britannica, and just quickly check. Uh, Hang on, let me quickly watch all of Blue Planet 1, 2, and 3 just to see if it's mentioned. I'm just getting out my Ordnance Survey map, uh, quickly checking. Uh, I don't know is the answer. I mean, it's quite snowy and cold, so mm. that seems Scottish. Although yeah, there aren't Scottish accents Scottish. in it. <laughs> that being said there, were, there aren't really Irish accents in it Touche <laughs> <laughs> No, but there is a bit of a northerny twang I'm thinking Stoddard has a bit of a yeah. northern But yeah, anyway, in, ambiguous in location case, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's one of these um, It's very woman in black, sort of stark landscapes Yes, Neil um, Marsh it, as, as you say yeah, it's like set in the snowy countryside. And I love all the little village details, like the village train stations and yeah. the, the cottage belonging to the station master and everything like that, and the inn. Yes. It's all lovely to look at. So, uh, yeah, you're in for a treat for the eyes, for sure. But anyway, we're with in the company of a hunting party. It looks like Hastings has been invited there by Roger Havering, who mm-hmm. seems to be a friend of his, played by... Bishop Brennan from Funstead. <laughs> that's what I. That's all I know him from. <laughs> it's absolutely impossible to see past yeah. him in this. You know, y- yeah. y- it's just Bishop Brennan. In it's a Bishop Brennan, one hundred percent. And uh, I love, I love Father Ted. Not commenting on the people that worked on it now who are, but damned, offensive. damned more than damned offensive, the dirtiest of swine. But uh, yeah, Bishop Brennan. <laughs> uh, it's a lot more mobile without his massive uh, cape. <laughs> I'm just thinking of him running <laughs> up the hill with his cave after he got kicked up the arse. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, we're with a hunting party, arguably the worst kind of party there is. Yeah. They're all filing out into the country. Everyone's a bit cold. Everyone's wrapped up for the war. But um, the interesting thing to note is that Poirot is with them. Poirot, yes. the man who hates the great outdoors, has come along because, well, it's for a culinary reason, isn't it? Tastings? I shall need at least six. No, 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 eight for the tetra à l'angoise. I shall ask the hotel to cook us some tomorrow. <laughs> it's not like ordering them in a shop, Poirot. I've got to shoot the damn things. But I have every faith in your marksmanship, Hastings. He is hungry and he is itching. Yeah. Another addition for the recipe book, though. Very exciting. Tetras à l'angoise? Oui. I looked it up because I, I was like, what the hell is that? Pardon my ignorance. Uh, and it, from what I could <laughs> oh, nice tell... French accent there. <laughs> ignorance. Pardon my or, or ignorance. <laughs> I, I learned French from the Del Boy School of Language. Uh, and uh, from what I could tell, there were a few... It wasn't exactly clear. It's not a specific, well-known dish necessarily, but it's grouse for sure. It's a specific type of grouse, uh, possibly served in a creamy paprika sauce. So, right. delicious. It, 
We'll give I mean, it a go. sounds nice. Mm. I've never actually eaten grass. Have you eaten grass? I think I have once. Um, I would eat it again. Um, so we're going to have to get some grouse for our recipe book then. I mean, it's basically just game bird. Like yeah, like a pheasant. It's, right. it's, it has a very fle- pleasant pheasant flavour. <laughs> Gamey. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyway, <laughs> Poirot's uh, joined the hunt because he needs a fresh grouse. Just shot, please, so he can whisk it back Still to the smoking. Inn. Why did you come, Monsieur Poirot? The red grouse. It must be eaten fresh while the gun is still smoking, as we say. Ah, gourmet. Uh, you are too kind, Madame Havering, but it is most rare in my country, the tetras. We make do with la jelly nut, the wood grouse, with a flavour it is piney. Piney. Yes, this is not a word. Piney, like, like the pine trees. Oh, piney. Yes, it's a very good word. So they can whisk it back to the inn, give it to the chef. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as he brought like a Michelin-style chef with him. Pretty much. In, or is it just a cook? Who's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, trusting in them, but uh, he has come along because he wants a grouse. So Hastings is going to bag him a grouse. But it's while they're there out on the shoot that we see sort of fractures appearing in the social set of the party there's some arguments going on between a couple of the people and then as the shooting starts a bullet is fired in the right or slash wrong direction <laughs> and hits um, the host of the shooting party harrington pace in the hand ah! you hit mr pace mr pace you bloody fool Yes, it's, as you say, there is, that is definitely, I would say, the icing on top of the the awkward, tense cake that they've all been (laughs) eating because they're all family apart from Hastings, really. They're all like related in some way. I guess we should maybe talk about the the attendees of the hunting party. As you said, we've got uh, Harrington Pace, who is the patriarch, it seems, of the family. He's uh, a very wealthy man. We learn more about that later. But he's also probably not the nicest of people. He doesn't seem very friendly, does he? All that nice. No. Plus, he brags about the fact that he's ripped people off and made a lot of enemies. There's yeah. one point where he says, Fella asked me the other day, a Bolshe, you know, asked me, had I actually made anything during my workless life? Certainly, I said. I made a lot of friends, I made a lot of enemies, and I've made a lot of money. Hmm? I've got two out of three on that. Um, mm. I'll let you decide which one is missing. <laughs> but, yeah, it's well, a good one. I can't think that you have any enemies, so you must be very rich and very... <laughs> well, very I am well. sat here wearing a tiara, as we record. <laughs> but, uh, yes, so then we also have, as you said, Roger Havering, Bishop Brennan who is um, off his clerical duties for this episode. Uh, we also have Jack Stoddard, who is the uh, games master keeper guy. He's the one that's basically supposed to be kind of leading the hunt. Grouse hunting is weird, by the way. I've never seen it before this episode. It's like they have these weird little kind of dens they all go into and then some people go out in with a stick mm. and like get the grouse to come out and then they shoot them. It's um awful. Looks awful, um, but they seem to be having. It's a very fun uh, upper middle class activity, I'm sure. Uh, then we also have Archie Havering, who is Roger's cousin. He's a bit of an outsider, I would say. He's uh, he's part of the family, but we find out quite quickly that he's quite poor. He's a school teacher, and he's kind of a bit, I think, angry and resentful at how wealthy the family is when he's just kind of a 
normal person having to kind of exist among these monsters around him. They're all about the money. Roger was saying you keep an eye on the place for the family. Yes, I'm local. A poor relation is available. <laughs> Damned invidious it is too. What? Some of my pupils' families live six to a room. This place lies empty 40 weeks of the year. They only come up here for the shooting. We also have Zoe Havering, who is the wife of Roger. Uh, she's a very beautiful lady, and she kind of chats to Poirot quite a bit while the shooting's going on. And she's very much involved in like the running of the house. She works very closely with the help, shall we say, to make sure mm. that they're, they're all looked after during their hunting stay. Well, I'd better get back to Hunter's Lodge. Make sure Mrs. Middleton has everything under control for lunch. She's only with us pro ten. And then back at the house, we have... Um, <laughs> Let's let's go. We have Ellie the maid. Let's say Ellie the maid. Yep. Um, and Joan. Nice little helpful Ellie the maid and Joan. She's also a maid. She's also the girlfriend of Jack Stoddard, isn't she? So yes. He he's he doesn't mind coming down the social rung of a rung or two, does he? No. Well, we also know nice. that it's a bit of a source of tension between uh, Jack and. Had Harrington Pace. That's such a name. They call him Pace most of the time, so maybe I should mm. keep keep the pace up. Um and <laughs> but he basically wants to borrow three hundred pounds so that he can buy a house and marry Joan and uh pace is like absolutely not that would look really weird. Even though we later find out, and it's not a massive spoiler to say this, he's his half brother. Like they're related. Mm. Uh he's the bastard the family but um yeah what a dick he wouldn't even give his brother 300 quid to buy a house god's sake harry it's not much doesn't mean i can marry again 300 pounds is nothing to you look bloody odd wouldn't it jack me putting that sort of money in the way of my maid and my gamekeeper damn you i sometimes wonder which of us was born a bastard and then lastly, uh, Mrs. Middleton runs the household. She is yes. we call the housekeeper, I suppose. Yes. She's kind of new to the house. How would you describe Mrs. Middleton, Frankie? Oh, boy. Uh, she's oh visually, boy, <laughs> visually interesting, I would describe her visually as. Visually very interesting. Mm, thick glasses. Very thick. Mm. Very... Dowdy. Dowdy. Uh, bad teeth. She's, she's very brown in terms of... Beige brown, yeah, it's her colour palette for sure. Um, I would say Irish, quote unquote. We have some interesting accent work. (laughs) Oh, you're Irish. (laughs) She's definitely Irish. (laughs) Irish, yeah. She, uh, she, she's a kind of a bit of a an elusive character. She, we'll get into it, but she, um, yeah. yeah, she leaves notes around a lot for the staff and instructs them a lot. She's quite strict, it seems. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> we'll come back to her later. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> the shoot goes not too well because of the accident with the gun. Harrington Pace got shot in the hand and he's not very happy with Archie, who's his nephew, calls him a blithering idiot. And they go back to the house and they're all trying to have a drink and laugh off what's been a very cold, a little bit unsuccessful morning. Poirot is absolutely frozen to the bone. He provides all the comedy in this, by the way, and oh. I love the way he says about log fires. Yes. For two hours I am waiting in the snow, Hastings. The ice it is forming on my bones. No bottom. Ah, a log fire. One of the better traditions of the English. I mean, I don't know what he was expecting, to be honest. Not to victim blame, but that such is his dedication to food. I respect it wholeheartedly but he's frozen actually is dedicated 
Mm. I would I would literally walk to Waitrose in a snowstorm. To get a grouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you probably can get freshly shot grouse in Waitrose, so that tracks. Probably. I was so inclined. Indeed. Uh, but he's freezing and uh, he goes straight to the fire, as you say. He's trying to defrost, poor little guy. We also see a bit more of the dynamic in the house around Poirot while this is happening. Uh, we see a bit of tension. Archie tries to apologise for shooting Pace in the hand. Doesn't really mm. get doesn't get a gracious reception to that particular apology. We also see a bit of tension between, as we've met, the aforementioned Mrs. Middleton and Havering. She he wants to know where the hell his wife is because she's gone up to her room. Apparently, she's got a bit of an earache and she she needs to lie down. And he's very snappy with poor old uh, Mrs. Middleton. She seems a bit uh, the in the firing line, pun intended. Of the barbs. The foyering line. Foyering um, line. <laughs> foyering line. <laughs> but no one's more p- off than Poirot. Au revoir, Monsieur Poirot. Oh, good to have met you. Thank you. I had to be off. It's a six mile bike ride for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> you are leaving? One can leave? My fa- I also love it as well when Archie's like, okay, I'm going to go by. And Poirot's like, you, one can leave? <laughs> We can leave. <laughs> oh my God. The amount of times I've uh, been at events, if someone's like, okay, I'm going now, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm allowed to leave now. It's time. It's socially acceptable to leave. Mm. Fantastic. Amazing. Someone has to be the first to leave. It's usually me. Same. <laughs> the next part, I think we have to sort of explain rather yeah. logistically, otherwise things won't make sense. Basically, Bishop Brennan has got to go off to London. <laughs> yes. Got to bleed a mass. <laughs> He's due for ass kicking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. People start leaving the house. Uh, Roger Havering, Bishop Brennan, has to get the five o'clock train to London. And he wants is to get it. Asked, yeah. yeah. He wants to get it, yeah. Uh, but his wife, Zoe, asks if he could possibly wait and get the 6.15 instead because Mrs. Middleton, Irish Mrs. Middleton, <laughs> wants to go down to Stoddard's place to pick up some game. Darling, couldn't you catch the 6.15? Why? Mrs. Middleton wants to go down to Stoddard's place to pick up some game. Oh, darling... She makes such a fuss. Bloody temporary staff. Don't know what that agency is playing at. Ellie has to walk four miles and you never hear her complaining. Mm. It would be so much easier if you gave her a lift. She'd only have to walk back. All right, all right. I'll do it. Boggle or chess or what do you reckon? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boggle. Harrington Pace complains about Mrs. Middleton and the temporary staff. He doesn't like the fact that they, you know, they demand so much. And so Roger reluctantly agrees to get the late train and give Mrs. Middleton a lift. Yes. And then Zoe is on her husband's behalf, behalf very generously offers to also give, I've put Joan, June there, give Joan a lift as well. Uh, the, the other maid uh, and Harrington Pace rolls his eyes again, like all oh, these bloody staff needing lifts places. Ugh. But uh, yeah, so that is a little car journey. Off they go to get the train. Then we cut to Poirot. He's in bed <laughs> and the chill just has completely done him in, isn't it? He's, uh, he's not happy at all. He can't even have his tetras a la angoise. Can he? <laughs> so he's, he's not dramatic at all. You know how there's this a horrible misconception that men aren't good at being sick. I don't know if you've heard that. Mm. Um, that. No, I've never heard that. No, no. no. Yeah, um, I think this might be where that comes from. (laughs) Because Poirot's being a little bit dramatic. Uh, He's not ill, he's dying. Look at these hastings. I am a corpse waiting to die. I shall not survive to enjoy my tetra à l'angoisse. I'm a corpse waiting to die. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it later on in the episode when Jap calls him on the phone. Yes. He's like, How's the cold? It is not a cold. It is a deadly fever. Incidentally, a corpse waiting to die is the foundation colour that I wear on my face. So <laughs> it matches my skin perfectly. <laughs> uh, anyway. We see Roger Havering, Bishop Brennan. I'm going to call him Bishop Brennan. <laughs> we see Bishop Brennan arrive at the train station, <laughs> having dropped everyone off and driven everyone places. And he runs for the train and jumps on to the 6.15 to King's Cross. Yes, he is seen to do that by the... There, back in the day, back in the olden days, back when there were train mm. budgets and what have you, there were men that would stand on the platform to make sure everybody was safely boarded, could see where they were getting on and off and all that kind of thing. So he's seen by people getting getting on the train uh and then a short while later back at the train station a train pulls in and is it actually is this a it's a different train station we're at now it's one of the train stations on the way to king's cross isn't it it's like a little branch line thing or something yes so the train pulls into this tiny little station and you see the the train man is walking up and down the platform with his little light his little lantern saying you know check wait for people to get off nobody gets off the train the train is pulling out of the station and suddenly somebody quickly jumps off the train and it's a very Mm. beardy looking man (laughs) a very noticeable beard even in the shadows uh and he scurries out of the station he grabs a bike from right outside the train station and starts cycling away while the poor station man the station master is like hey that's my bike hey that's my bike He's had his bike nicked by the bearded man who cycles off into the into the countryside. Then we go back to Hunter's Lodge. Harrington Pace is sat reading in the lounge. Outside we see Stoddard and he's approaching the house. Then we go back into the house and we see Harrington Pace sat there reading. And let's just say there's a shot. Shot's fired. Pew, pew. Yeah, he's dead. Um, he did. How do you say that in he Irish? Did. <laughs> <laughs> he did. You're a <laughs> Harrington Pace has been shot. We then see Mrs. Middleton, Irish Mrs. Middleton, run out of the house and see Stoddard outside. Tells him to fetch the police. Mr. Stoddard! Mr. Stoddard! Fetch the police. There's been a shooting. Go! Go! He's Kerry Gold on brown bread! (laughs) (laughs) Is that good? Is that, is that Charlie's offensive? been shot. Oh, look at the Irish ran out. I'm going to stop <laughs> trying. All my, all my Irish references are probably quite offensive. I don't mean them to be. I genuinely really yeah, love Kerry Gold. <laughs> Do- <laughs> yes, delicious. Who's she? Terrible. Uh, yes, so she also makes a, as you heard in the comment, Zoe Havering was in the house as well with Mrs. Middleton. So she and she tells Stoddard she's absolutely distraught. I have to look, I have to give her some look after her and give her some pills so she'll go to sleep because she is just a wreck. So you go and get the police, please. So yes. Stoddard runs off. Okay, so the police arrive. Mrs. Middleton is there talking to them. She says that they can't speak to Zoe Havering. Says she was just too frantic, so she's given her something to sleep. Yeah, I have to speak to her another time. She says that she let the killer in, and uh, well, let's see what she says. And you can confirm that this is Mr. Harrington Pace. Yes, sir. Mrs. Havering's in a terrible state. I've given her something to help her sleep. I let the killer in. That's what I can't get over. Describe this man. He was wearing a big overcoat. 
and he had a beard, a great bushy thing. He said he wanted to see Mr. Pace, so I showed him into the gun room like I always do with visitors. Yes? I went back into the living room and started clearing up, and then you heard the sound. The shot. Like someone knocking on the door, hell it was. It's not a uh, foregone conclusion. The constable's called foregone. Um, oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that joke would have been funnier if that was better known. <laughs> it's in the notes, but I guess the people listening don't have the notes. Um, yeah, the constable's called foregone. Anyway, uh, yes. So <laughs> uh, then while, the, while that happens, Hastings gets a call back at the hotel where uh, Poirot and Hastings are saying, obviously, uh, and he bursts in and tells Poirot, there's been a murder, there's been a shooting. Uh, Poirot's like, oh, tries to get out of bed, brave little soldier that he is, but he's just too damn sick. So Hastings nobly steps forward and says, no, 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 you relax in bed. I got this. There's been a murder. Who has been murdered? Harrington Pace, up at Hunter's Lodge, shot with one of his own revolvers. Thank you. Oh. Oh. You're still not well, Poirot. Oh. oh, I must confess, I feel a little weak. You get back into bed now. Oh. Detective For the fourth Hastings. time this season, <laughs> I will take over investigations and we know how that's going to go. Okay. Oh, it's so perfect as well because he keeps tapping his nose like, you leave that to me. And Poirot's like... You can leave this to me. Come on. This investigation, you can leave it to me. I'll report back to you, of course. Uh, I know these people, Poirot. I've got one or two ideas already. What are these ideas, Hastings? You just relax. Hastings, will you please stop tapping your nose in that theatrical manner and tell me all that you know? Stop tapping your nose! <laughs> For the love of God, it's so annoying. It's so funny. Hastings, will you stop tapping your nose in that theatrical manner and tell me all you know? Perfect. Uh, but then, it's not. don't worry, guys. It's not going to be Hastings going it alone because Jappa the Yard has just arrived at Hunter's Lodge. Jappa, Scotland Yard. Sergeant Fogg and Ashby Pickard. Pleasant drive, sir. Are you trying to be funny? No, sir. Uh, we also learned that Stoddard, the gameskeeper slash half-brother of the victim, uh, was set to uh, benefit from the will. £4,000, £4, sorry. Other than that, though, all of the money from the estate is going to go to Roger Havering, a.k.a. Bishop Brennan, um, to, hope, to probably not give to the church. Uh, but they say that she, Mrs Middleton, Mrs Middleton, the Irish lady, quote unquote, uh, is their chief witness, but they can't find her all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, the family are all going to benefit in some way, but the important thing to note here is that Mishy Middleton uh, <laughs> is suddenly missing. She's so... done an Irish goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite good, I thought. I just thought of that. It was actually great. Well okay, thank you. You're very um... quick. Um... <laughs> <laughs> quick to anger. So... <laughs> Uh, Jap thinks that maybe something has happened to her as well. So, um, um, yes. Yeah, he says that maybe they'll be looking for two bodies. Tell you what, I put my money on this Middleton woman being in league with the killer. On her own admission, she shows the fellow in. Next morning, she's gone. Yeah, but she's the only person who's had a proper look at the killer. What if she saw through his disguise? Disguise? What disguise? Bushy beard and glasses. And suppose she saw who it was under the disguise. Perhaps we'd better start looking for another body, not a witness. 
Looking for one body. <laughs> Got one. You see, you double here. <laughs> Two wow. bodies. Yes. Poirot asks Roger, because he gets him back and says, I need to talk to you, uh, what he was doing. And uh, Roger says... You say, Monsieur Havering, that you arrived at London at nine o'clock. The only witness that you can produce is the doorman at your club where you arrived at ten o'clock. You say that you spent this hour walking between King's Cross and St. James's, and yet you can describe none of the movements, no events, no street names, rien, nothing. This isn't the line I've been following at all, Poirot. What are you driving at? I am driving at a curve in the line of the local railway, a loop of iron which connects Ashby Picard with the little station of Ashby Le Walkin. Uh, so the main thing we find out from Roger, let's start with him. He says he was on the 615 train, which we saw him get on, and he spent the night at his club. Uh, he thinks he got there about 10 p.m. because he walked there from King's Cross. That is his. That is what he says. Then we speak to Zoe, his wife, who says she was at the house when Pace was shot. She says she saw the uh, Mrs. Middleton let in the bearded man, the, the mysterious bearded man. Uh, and he, he says she reckons he arrived around 6.45. Uh, she heard the gunshot and she was in the same room as Mrs. Middleton. They both heard the gunshot and that was when all hell broke loose, basically. So those are the kind of the movements of Bishop Brennan. <laughs> And his wife at that time. We only really sort of follow one line of inquiry in this episode, yes. don't we? Yes. Um, so the implication is, because we saw the bushy bearded man jump off the train that Bishop Brennan was on, that the implication is whoever got on that train also got off the train, nicked the bike, because we saw it happen, so these yep. aren't spoilers, rode back to the house, went into the house, Mrs. Middleton let them in, and then they shot Harrington Pace. They've mm-hmm. vanished now, and Mrs. Middleton has vanished now. So Poirot's clear line of inquiry is, well, Roger Havering was on the train, Bishop Brennan, so he must have put on this disguise. Everyone assumes it's a disguise, even Jap, when he first hears it. Yeah, the only person that doesn't is Hastings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? So the line of inquiry is, the murderer was on the train, got off the train, in disguise, went back to the house, murdered yep. Harrington Pace. There is a time anomaly because... Bishop Brennan says he got there at 10 and it's demonstrably proved that he should have been there earlier. So the implication is straight away that Roger Havering, Bishop Brennan, is the guilty party. He's the one that got off the train in disguise. He shot Harrington Pace. He got back on another train, got to London in time to get to his club. And when he's confronted with this, doesn't want to account for the time that's missing. It is quite possible, Monsieur Havering, for a man to catch the 6.15 train at one station and get off at the next. With the aid of the bicycle, he returns to Hunter's Lodge, disguised with a beard and wearing the broad-brimmed hat. He shoots the man he wishes to shoot. Then he catches the 7.20 from Ashby Picard, a train that is faster than the 6.15, which will get him to London in time to be at his club by 10 o'clock. My God. You're serious, aren't you? It is a serious affair. A man has been killed and you are about to be accused of his murder. Me? You, sir. Do you not see it, monsieur? You must tell us of your movements that night. Absolutely not. Yes, does himself no bloody favours because he will not say where he is. Then, while all this drama's going on, Jap gets a call saying they've only bloody found Mrs Middleton. And so they go to meet the elusive Mrs Middleton at the police station. The car door opens 
And who the bloody hell is this? This isn't the same Miss Middleton we've been seeing the whole other time. And she's not even Irish. She's English. No, so is the other one, the BFF. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, but done, done, done. Uh, turns out this Mrs. Middleton, <laughs> uh, she actually did have a job appointment to work at the house at Hunter's Lodge, but she was met by a nice Irish lady. The instructions from the agency were to go to Ashby Picard by train and I'd be met there and the engagement would be for one month. So I did. And I was met by a very nice Irish lady who... Irish? Are you sure? Oh, yes. She said she was Mrs Pace. And she said there'd been an embarrassing mix-up. What sort of mix-up? She said they were cancelling the shooting this year and there was no household for me to keep. So, anyway, she said she'd be grateful if I didn't say anything to the agency because she didn't want them to think she was unreliable, you know. And she was very generous. She said she'd give me two months' wages in lieu if I'd agree not to put myself back on the agency books for a full month. And you agreed? Yes. It's very Adventure of the Clap and Cook, isn't it? Yes. Let's get uh, the help out of the way um, and... Someone's taken the help's place. Uh, Indeed. Yes. Those are the broad strokes of the mystery. There is a couple more things we need to tell you about, but I, I think the thing that kicks off the whole thing is that Anstruther, Poirot's sort of taken it upon himself to, to, to solve this, not to find out who killed Harrington Pays, but so this man can have his bike back. That's how he's framing things. Finally, Roger, after being kept in prison for a bit, is ready to talk. I'll tell you what I was doing if you promise not to tell Zoe. Well, let's hope it won't be necessary. I make no promises. Very well, then. I was with Lord Quarmby. Lord Quarmby? The racing hour? Yes, he's chairman of the board in charge of on-course betting. I wanted him to get me off the hook. Well, buy me some time on a couple of my debts. Why were you so reluctant to tell us this? A few months ago, you see, I promised Zoe that I'd never back another horse as long as I lived. And will Lord Quarmby verify that you were with him? Of course he will. Where I actually was during that time period was meeting Lord Quamby, who is the racing earl. Who knew that was a thing? We have some weird stuff in this country, honestly. Some of the weird traditions that we have. There's an earl of racing? Why? Why is there an earl of racing? Anyway, because he's in a bit of trouble over gambling debts, he's really into horse racing. Uh, so he basically was trying to sort out his debt and he didn't want Zoe, his wife, to know that he'd lost loads of money because she he'd promised her she'd, he'd stopped. So that is his alibi, essentially, for why he couldn't have been murdering his uncle. Do you think Lord Quarmby's favourite drink is Earl Grey? <laughs> It's Earl Grating that you would ask that on myself. <laughs> uh, how long did you have that one brewing for? Oh, <laughs> spill are you like the- Alan posing today? Oh, do you know what? I, I should have said that Roger was willing to spill the tea over the Earl um, Quamby. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> anyway, from there... Uh, Poirot goes and does a classic Poirot move. He chats to Joan the maid because, as we know, when Poirot wants the real lowdown of a house, you speak to the help. Joan tells him tells her all about tells him all about Mrs. Middleton, and they they have a few like a classic open chat. But meanwhile, there's a jazzy floral apron on the side that Poirot spots straight away. He's like, "That's a jazzy floral apron. Whose is that?" And it was Mrs. Middleton's. So he, when she leaves the room, bags that up and puts it in a special little sack. Then they take that to Stoddard because he has 
a very specific plan in mind that Stoddard's beautiful dog, that Stoddard is definitely way too into, <laughs> can help with. <laughs> he really loves his dog. He really does. Anyway, oh. So he gives he gives uh, the apron to Stoddard's dog, who sniffs it for a minute and then runs off out the door. So they all follow the dog and it runs into a field. Yes. Um, and start sort of pointing with its nose towards a spot in the field. So yes. they get their spades, Jap, Hastings, and Poirot, and Stoddard, and dig the bloody field up. And what do they find? Hey, look at this. Swipe me. Bon. Monsieur Anstruther, he will be most pleased. They find a bike. Not just the bike, the hat, the coat, beard, everything. Everything that uh, Mr. Bushybeard uh, was wearing <laughs> and using that night is in this hole. From there on in... We are in classic Poirot denouement territory, aren't we? Imagine right. all the suspects uh, gathered in a room, Poirot being very clever and very smug. So we're going to have to stop it there because this is one I would say as well, don't take what we've told you and try and solve it. You need to go and watch it. <laughs> There's so much in it. We've tried not to overcomplicate things by trying to explain everyone and what they were all saying and doing. Yeah. I think it's one of those ones that the more you talk about it, the more complicated it gets. But if you want to go away and solve this one, stick it on and then 37 minutes in, Give it a pause. If you don't solve this one... I was going to say... <laughs> you probably re-evaluate re your life choices. That said, it is very clever. It is very clever. I think me and you have the very same complaint, which we can't really go into. Until no. Either you need to reassess your life choices or you need to nip over to Specsavers and get your prescription sorted because we'll get into it. Which ironically... Ah, which ironically... ironically <laughs> <laughs> would, have, uh, would have made this... Uh, more difficult ah. to solve if a certain In character done. Anyway, indeed, um, Frankie. Yes. Yes. What do you think of this episode? This one has, as you say, there's it shades of a lot of previous kind of mysteries. I would say, and it has. I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail in the the new more time. But it has the same problem that we had. In the disappearance of Mr. Davenport. Davenheim. Yeah. Davenheim. Davenheim. Yeah, we have the same issue of Davenheim here, where mm. in a, in a book. There's a lot it works. that works yeah. really well. Visually, there is stuff that does not work. We will talk about Visually, that later. It just, it just needed to be better. It needed to be cleverer. <laughs> yeah. It needed to be more astute about the way it was designing its production. Yes. Um, and that's a very, very rare failing on the production design. A hundred percent. It failed spectacularly for Mr. Davenheim. And unfortunately, the same thing happens here. But go on. Yes. Yes. No, exactly. And that that is the only thing that ruined it for me. Because as you say, it's a very clever mystery. I'm in the in the short story, a cracker, because it's clever. It's so, so complicated, but cleverly planned and intricately laid out. And it's just that that ruins it because I solved it about 10 minutes in. I was like, well, that's obviously what's happened there. Uh, so... But aside from that, as you say, it's a it's a beautiful episode. It's a fun episode. Poirot is on fine, feisty, furious, sick bed form in this one. Uh, there's a lot to love in it. But it's just that it's such a clangor of an error. I think it just it ruins the rest of it for me. So my score is a little bit lower for this one, which I it hurts my heart to give a low score to any episode because I love them all so much. But I'm gonna give it like a four five. I think. Okay. which stings a little. How about you, Adam? What do you think? Very same complaint. Unfortunately, <laughs> when you have a character that's in disguise and the disguise is so painfully obviously a disguise, yeah. you should give that character as little screen time as possible. 
not have them then indulging in some dramatics and yep. also an interview scene. <laughs> and also, just, or every- give them the best makeup and hair artistry of all time. Like, yeah. Or, do you know what? Here's a, here's a radical solution. Get someone else to play the part that wow. looks a little bit like them. Instead of caking them in... Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, we've already hinted at who we're talking about <laughs> at the beginning of this episode. Yes. But when you have jam jar glasses on a character, you instantly go, why? Yeah. Uh, and then when, you know, you look and their teeth are stuck out like spades, tombstones out of their mouth, you go, oh, for goodness sake. And who dressed bad, this... Bad Who hair. did this to this character? Why does it... Why does a character who's part of the help have to always dress down and dowdy anyway? Why didn't no. they just? Why couldn't she have just been a smart, neat, elegant woman instead of? My goodness gracious, she's got like flour coming off her wig, and a big buck tooth that are all yellow and brown, all pointing like several yeah, different yeah. directions. A big jam jar glasses. <laughs> it's like they got the disguise at a joke shop, and it's just oh, come on, guys! You spent all this money on location shooting. And production design. You got all these cars up there, and look at Poirot's outfit. And oh God, his, his little seat that he sits on when they're. Doing <laughs> I mean, even details like that. And then you put jam jar glasses and a powdered wig on. on the I know. Villain. Oh, it's just I know. Really infuriating. The problem is, uh, I mean, my rating is same as yours. I think I'm definitely no higher than a four because of that. The problem is, there's there's only one other character. Yeah. Who could be in disguise? So you know that it's that person. Yep. And when you know it's that person, then you know it's it obvious. must be the other person. The whole thing is just like you're just waiting from about 10 minutes in yep. for someone to spell out what you already know. Yeah. So there is in, more to it as well, which we'll get into mm. in the denouement. We've, we've spoiled quite a lot at this point, but it's you can't <laughs> not. This is the thing. And, and I, totally... I need to explain why the score is low. I know yes. Yes. Sometimes and, you have to with a clang like <laughs> Yeah, but uh, that's not to say, as we said, there's so much gold in here. It's just such yeah. a shame that that overshadows it so spectacularly. It's a yeah, a bit of a bit of a bit of a fail, bit of a misfire to have a gun-related yeah. word in it. It is. Yeah. It's a it's a real shame. Miss the mark. Real shame. Nice. <laughs> Shall we get into the denouement? Well, yeah, we've. I mean, we might as well <laughs> just, just go straight in. <laughs> um, if you want to go away and see if you want a piece of that together, then uh, by all means, yeah. Thirty-seven minutes. You need to pause it. Um, we'll be back after the musical sting yes. to rant even more. <laughs> oh boy, come rant with us. Au revoir. <laughs> Okay, so we're back. Bonjour. Uh, uh, let's just quickly say that the, the villains of the piece are obviously Bishop Brennan and his wife Zoe, because as we said, Mrs. Middleton is such a glaringly obvious disguise. Oh. It's, it's painful, isn't it? It makes me really angry because, as we said, this is a very clever mystery. In a short story yeah. form, it works mm. beautifully. And also, I totally get why Agatha Christie enjoys this trope, right? Which is, I'm calling it a trope, but I mean it not in a derogatory way. It's a trope that you disguise yourself as the help because nobody looks that closely at the help. Mm, I totally yeah. get it. It makes complete sense, especially in a house like that where they're all stuck up Tory arse, if we're honest. So yeah. I get it. But unfortunately, the hair and makeup choices 
for the disguise for Mrs. Middleton mean that she stands out so much when she shouldn't mm. stand out. Mm. They would have been so much better off sticking her in like a maid outfit, like a maid uniform like the other two are wearing with a hat, mm. like a little bonnet thing that, that covers... It says the, the terrible wig, the worst wig I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and the... The glasses. Just take all Miss, take Zoe's beautiful makeup off. Stick her in one of those hats, and I think that would probably make her disappear more, if anything, than the the bloody say go joke shop disguise that they plonk her in. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole point of um no one notices the help. Yeah. Have you ever read a story called The Invisible Man by G.K. Chesterton? Yes. Which is a Father Brown mystery, and it's all about how on earth was this murder committed because no one was in the street, and it turns out at the end there was someone. It was the postman, basically. Spoiler. Just no one notices the postman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I would have been more impressed if we got to the end of this story and it had turned out to be Jane or something like that because I did the same. Because yep. the camera wasn't in on her face all the time, wasn't like focusing on her too much. Just you just don't notice her because no. she's part of the set yeah. dressing. And if they'd done Mrs. Middleton like that, as just one of the help floating around doing it, you wouldn't have gone, Oh my god, hang on a minute, isn't that the actress that played so and so in an earlier scene? You just yeah. wouldn't have done it. And no. they don't have enough respect for the audience to say well, we can't trust you to not see. Instead, they go for this, looks like a bloody crime, like crime fit picture done all badly. It's basically with like... Big buck teeth and an Irish accent. It's like they, they, they've looked at the, the board game Guess Who. They saw mm. some of the distinguishing features. Does <laughs> she have a, a wig? Does she have bottle glasses? And they're like, right, that's how we're going to model it on. It's, yeah, yeah. It, is inf- it is infuriating because, as it's we say... It's really infuriating. It, it, it clangs so hard. It's so, from the very beginning. Also the fact you never see Mrs. Middleton and Zoe in the same room at the same time. And they really mm. make a point of pointing that out. Like, oh, she's yeah. upstairs now. Oh, she's in her bedroom now. And I'm sure there is part of it where they're like, we want to make it easy for people to solve, which I get as well. You want to make it accessible because you want to make, it's a f- level playing field. I get it. But you don't have to make it so, sti- as you say, stinkingly obvious People aren't that stupid. People that like these shows, like us, are very intelligent people. And our listeners are all very intelligent people. So you don't have to spell it out like that. Have a little bit of subtlety, a little bit of nuance to it. (sighs) As well, because of the lack of female characters in it, Yes. You are thinking, well, you know, if if it's if Mrs. Mid- if this person in a clear disguise is is nefarious and something wrong and then it must be Zoe Havering. Yeah. Yeah. And then you immediately think, well, she's definitely in league with her husband because they're so tight. So yeah. it must be him as well. So when he gets on the train, basically what's happened is the whole thing's been set up so that Poirot and the police attention will be drawn to Roger. Yeah. So that everyone will think Roger got off the train in a bushy beard, in a disguise, went back to the house, killed the boom, you know, um, and went off to London so that when he is exonerated by his alibi with Lord Quarmby, the Earl Grey <laughs> racing tea drinker, um, it will be so confusing that we'll just throw everyone, well, it must be someone then. It must be a complete stranger. And then Roger yeah. can inherit and all. So, so that's basically the plan. It's a rare, rare misstep by the production team. It's, yeah. You know, the, 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 the quality that's surrounding it, like yeah. all the location shooting is incredible. The village stuff is incredible. Poirot in the bed, that's just such good fun. They yeah. bring Jap up from London. You have Hastings helping out. And the cast are all great. It's just, yeah. it's like she's wearing this big bloody red arrow at the yeah. beginning, pointing to her head saying, look how suspicious I am. Yeah. And it goes on for the first 10 minutes of the thing. And then you just think, 
well, I know it's her. So let's yeah. be him as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just a solution waiting to happen, which is a real shame because it's lovely to look at. As you say, on paper, you'd never no. get to the end of this and say, "What the hell? I'm so surprised and confounded." Yeah. What a brilliant mystery. But no. um, when you do it visually, you have to be a bit. <sighs> yeah, it just it just. It's yes, yeah. It's a real shame, as we've said. There is so much cleverness to it, but hair and makeup, man. Just get a better wig. Just do so. Oh, <laughs> like there's no excuse for a wig that bad. We've we've ranted enough. Well, as yeah. Adam's explained, what actually happened was a brief summary of the how it was pulled off. We may know that you did not commit a murder, but there are other things which are not yet so clear. This crime was of a daring most extraordinary. It had to be like clockwork. And the spurious Mother Middleton had to have an accomplice to wind the spring. Sorry, Mrs. Middleton. At a quarter to six on the night of the murder this spring, it was ready for release. The guests had departed. Mademoiselle Ellie had already gone home. And Mademoiselle Joan had been offered a lift in your car, Monsieur Henry. Mademoiselle Joan was duly dropped at her cottage. Madame Middleton was then to be driven to the home of Monsieur Stoddard to collect some game birds, but of course she never arrived. She was undergoing a transformation. It was essential, you see, that a suspect should be seen to alight from the train at the very next stop. A suspect that could well be Monsieur Roger Havering in disguise. Why should I try to incriminate myself? Because, Monsieur Havering, you had planned most carefully your alibi. Your meeting with Lord Quamby, which you would seem to have every reason for keeping secret. But once you were forced to reveal it and were released, it was most unlikely that the police would suspect you for a second time. You're talking complete rubbish. He did absolutely get on the train. Roger got on the train. But closely followed behind him on the train was, quote-unquote, Mrs Middleton disguised as the bearded man. He, he, she hopped on straight after him and got off at the very next stop, which is, it's a very small village. They've got these weird little village train stations. I've been to towns and villages like this. There are loads around in England. Uh, Then she stole the bike, cycled over, buried the bike in the field. It was to make everyone think it was Roger Havering on the train. The bearded man, yes. And he must have had the bike. He nicked the bike because he needed to get there and he needs to get to the next station and get this train. Yes. But that wasn't it. She basically just took the bike, buried it in the next field so yep. that everyone would think he would use yep. it. Buried the bike, buried the beard, buried all of the, the man costume that she wore, then went to the house, shot Pace in the head and ran out in her Miss Middleton outfit to go uh, to ask Stoddard to go and fetch the police. Then she played Mrs Middleton for a bit longer to give the whole story about how she let in this bearded man. And oh, yeah, Zoe Havering is uh, the other witness, but she's asleep. And then once that was done, she th- literally, you see her throwing her disguise in the fire and thank- should have been thrown there in the first place and not used at all, if we're honest. Uh, <laughs> they could have just literally like put ashes on her and it would have been a more if she face planted into the fire, she might have been <laughs> That would have been, I mean, it would have been very offensive in other ways, but it would have been a better disguise. So she then, yeah, Miss Middleton has disappeared and we've just got Zoe Havering. And that is how mm. it was pulled off. The way with which, the, like, it, this was, it all it ruins so much of this episode for me even the beautiful denouement that we have where mm. everyone's like 
uh, he, basically, Poirot is like, look, it's obviously you that did this, Roger Havering. And he's going, well, officer, well, how can that be? Because you can't even find Mrs. Middleton. And Poirot's like, oh, Miss Middleton's in the room. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, Where? Where could she <laughs> be? I was like, there's pulling... only one female character in here, but where could she be? I was pulling my hair out, screaming, like, are you joking? Like, come on, get on with it. And also, how insulting to the rest of the house that nobody went, isn't it weird, A, that Zoe and Mrs. Middleton never in the same room at the same time? And also, she looks a hell of a lot like Miss. Havering in a wig with glasses. Like, it's just so insane. So it it's ruined so it. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it's Such really fun delivery because the dog, the, the cute little dog, sniffs her mm. out. You're going to find yourself in court, Mr. Bloody Poro. And who is this Mrs. Middleton I meant to have been an accomplice of? You can't even find her. So you busy yourself accusing everybody else. Do you think that Hercule Poirot is unable to find this mysterious Madame Middleton? Hercule Poirot knows a way to make Madame Middleton appear in our midst as if by magic. You do not believe in magic. Very well. I have only to tap with my cane on the floor three times. Thus. Un. Deux. It definitely has a bit of a pacing issue that yeah. didn't want because 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 you know straight away who the villains are. <laughs> yes, you just and, and then it's just like ten whole minutes before yeah, like Jap finally steps in and goes right and off to the clink with you. And and as well, this is a longer episode than most. Yeah. this is fifty something minutes. So this stuff could have been trimmed Chopped. and shortened it could, have been, it could have been like oh really I'll tap three times bosh 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 the dog comes in I love that moment by the way yeah. when, when he taps three times yes. he, I'm going to do a magic trick and it's so you know it's yeah, so problem it's to see this ventriloquist <laughs> dummy and all that. so anyway the dog trots in and starts sniffing around and he sniffs Stoddard first <laughs> and then sniffs Roger and you're like it's the woman I thought you were going to smell the one woman in the room Come on. I know, I know. Just get to the... And then anyway, so finally it does. Then she gets up and starts walking around the room because she's uncomfortable with this dog following around. And Jap's still got one eyebrow up, like, what's going on here? Like, Come on, Jap, you're a detective inspector. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing. I was screaming. And like, you, Jap, you said yourself without even seeing it, there was likely a disguise involved. Are you... <sighs> Come on, man. Yeah, it really... Such... A shame because it ruined the whole thing for me after that. Yeah, it's a, it's just <sighs> so ham fisted. It's really ham fisted. It's it really needs it needs ten minutes chopping out of it. Yep, and it needs um a whole new redesign on the older. Ugh, such a shame because this but, is the end of season three. But we've had such great highlights. We have, three. and actually, the episode mm. itself does end with a beautiful bit of humour. Thank God. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, and I love the little walk down the lane they have at the end. And yeah, the bit where yeah you can talk about. Yeah, no, it's very cute. They returned the bike to Mr. Anstruther. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Farrell. Monsieur Anstruther. Blackberry tea did the trick then? It did indeed, monsieur. It also stimulated the little grey cells to such an extent that it enabled me to track down your bicycle. It's a bit of a bloomy mess, isn't it? Yes, it got buried. Buried? Buried. It's all covered in mud and mould. I regret that I did not have the time to clean it for you, monsieur. 
Otherwise, I could be seen riding about on a thing like that. That mudguard's all bent, too. Your answer, though. Do you or do you not want your bicycle? Poirot had the chance to clean it. A bit muddy. <laughs> um, and he I love the fact that Poirot says as well, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to clean it. As if I know. there was any chance he Why would have sat clean a muddy bike? outside in his overalls cleaning the mud off a bike. <laughs> With a little soapy water bucket, <laughs> just giving it a little a little wash. Absolutely. But yeah, it's it's a glorious moment and then leads to a really sweet, cheeky, little wink, nudge, tongue-in-cheek moment at the end between Poirot Hastings and Jap to round off Series 3. Is it for this that Duke Poirot exerts his talents on behalf of the world? You expect gratitude? Don't make me laugh. Now you know what a real detective feels like. A real detective? The Chief Inspector Jap is truly most amusing, do you not think, Hastings? Oh, yes. Most amusing. For a policeman. Yeah, so what did you think of, um, well... I think we know what we think of Hunter's Lodge, but what did yes. you think of Series 3? There was some Can I just really... remind you of the episodes? Please. Because we've had very good highs and very sort of swinging lows. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, How Does Your Garden Grow? That was a great one to kick off. Great with. one. The Million Dollar Bond Robbery, which I was kind of a mid. Yeah. Then we had the Plymouth Express, the tragedy and, like, you know, the horror, really, of yeah. the Plymouth Express, but with that clanging great Deus Ex Machina in it. Then we yeah. had Wasp's Nest, which I think Pies. was probably top three, top three, top yeah. five episode of all yeah. time. We had the spookerific tragedy at Marsden Manor. Super fun. Um, Loved it. Yeah. So Rennick as well. Yeah. Poirot fell in love in the double clue yes. with Vera Rosikoff. We'll see her again. <sighs> then we had the, the eye trauma of the mystery of the Spanish chest. <laughs> Which was yes. And we had Christmas with the theft of the Royal Ruby. And we had last week's affair at the Victory Ball. It's, the quality's been there all the way through, but the mysteries have been up and they've been down. Some of them have been flawless. Some of them have been like this. Yeah. Like infuriating. <laughs> Series three. Wow. What what a ride. Uh, it's been, yeah. yeah, as you say, there's consistent quality in terms of the, as, as always, the production. Stunning. The performances incredible, like that always, always, always throughout all of this. But yeah, some of the mysteries stronger than others. But I think it's definitely you see the relationships between the characters really hit kind of a new stride in series three. The the kind of the yep. in jokes, the little like, winks at each other, the little knowing smiles at each other. It's it's been so lovely to watch. And also, we've had some amazing guests on our episodes in this series, haven't we? We had lovely Therese, yeah. and we had Mike mm. as well from Geek yeah, 4. Mike. So, yeah, super Mike. fun. We're 30 episodes in. Can you believe that? Wow. Um, well, I, I say that we have the Hugh interview, and there have been a couple of little bonus things here and there. But in terms of how many stories we've covered, we are up 30. to 30 now. Um, oh, boy. Yes. it's uh, it's been It's been so great. And, of course... Next comes, <gasps> I mean, you know, cards oh. on the table, which is another average. Show. It's not cards on the table. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not next. We've got the ABC murders, which <gasps> one of the best. Oh my god, and that's it's incredible! By Death in the Clouds, which I haven't seen for years, and I'm really looking forward to rewatching that one again. Yeah. And uh, then we've got one to buckle my shoe. Really fun so, as well. Wow. Yeah. And then, then it's Christmas. <laughs> Then it's Christmas. We're going to have a Christmas special. So, yeah, we're going to go straight into season four in our next episode. We're going to do all three, and then we're going to have a slight break 
and then come back for Christmas, and then we're going to have a slight break again, come back in the new year with season five, which goes back to the short formy ones again. Yes. We have eight episodes in season five. The, I think the issue with season three, and I think we might see this slightly in season five as well, is that because they wanted to do every story, I think they hit all the yeah, quality the short stories in the first sort of two series. And they've got like a couple in here and a couple mm. in season five. But, you know, there were lots of magazine stories that perhaps weren't as well developed. So, yeah. Um, you know, you've got to do them all, don't you? Yes. And it's just, you know, even though quality has been inconsistent, we just have so much bloody fun doing this and going on this little journey with everybody listening as well. So thanks for coming with us. What a joy. Yeah. Do you want a depressing little thought, though? Oh, uh, do I? Go on, okay. So once we've done season four, mm-hmm. which we'll have done in, well, before Christmas, this yeah. time, we will be halfway. Really? God, yeah. that's come quick, isn't well, it? Roughly. We're, there are 70, 70 TV episodes and we'll be up to 33 by Christmas. So we'll, halfway-ish. In the new year, we'll be halfway-ish, yeah. Wow. So, Time's yeah, running out. We're, over, we're nearly over the hump. And then we go back to the beginning again. And start. Yes. Then we do all the movies and we oh. milk it even more. We, there is going to be a lot of milking going on, for sure. So, oh, wow. No, it's this is, I love doing this podcast. This is the best. We have yeah. the best time. So great. We do have yeah. the best time. It's great. And we've yeah. got lots more to come anyway. So, yes. Uh, Frankie and I have both decided I think we're going to continue the partnership. Yeah. So, uh, even even beyond Poirot, when that eventually comes to an end, it's going to be we're going to be podcasting still. Podathan Creek. <laughs> Pod- yeah, we'll be we will be up Podathan Creek without a paddle, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, more quality to come like that, hey. guys. <laughs> what years of this Woo. stuff? <laughs> By all means. Oh boy. <laughs> Gluttons for punishment, but we love you all for it. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Well, that was The Mystery at Hunter's Lodge, the last Literally. episode of season three. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with the beginning of season four. He's <gasps> an all-time classic, The ABC Murders. It's big budget treatment all the way. Oh. And The Mystery is Mwah. one of the most diabolically clever things it's ever. It's beautiful oh it's so good it's like peak christy she is like mm. she's mm. i was about to say something really stupid i'm not saying it uh okay great <laughs> i can't wait to... do, you, do you know what as well that i have to say abc murders is probably one of the only stories i would say that i think benefits from being a tv episode yes like there's so much is so well directed and so well put together that i watched this for the first time I was utterly confounded yeah. I was like well it must be so and so it must be this yeah. happening and you think it's a, a certain type of story it turns out that it's actually something else you've been watching the oh. whole time it's absolutely brilliant I can't I can't wait so, I um, can't wait the performances as well the the lead mm. performance in it is unreal yeah. it's so good he is incredible oh, I can't yeah, wait I can't I wait. It. I love it. I can't wait. Let's yes, do it now. Too. No. Okay, no, we'll do it. We'll do it in two weeks. But I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> well, we have a screening coming up. So um, keep your eyes on the socials for that, especially Instagram, because it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, going okay yeah. over there, yeah. <laughs> we won't spoil what the film is going to be, but it will be a Poirot film. So, yes. Um, yes. Um, come along and have fun with us on that one. Um, it's got a distinctly festive feel. 
Indeed. And please do email us, um, as we said, bonjour at the labors of com or on the socials. We love to read your messages. And as we are moving into series four, I'm sure a lot of you are going to be excited about ABC Murders because everyone loves it so much. So if you want to have anything read on that episode, please send it in and I will love to read them. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. This time we'll be back in two weeks with the ABC Murders. Um, don't forget to follow us on all the socials. And as Frankie said, yeah, do get in touch because uh, we love to hear from you. Also, our Christmas Ish. special's coming up in about six weeks' time. We are going to need some submissions for that. We'll let you know what they are in the next few <laughs> weeks. But uh, as always, just stay in touch and stay close. And uh, you make this experience way more fun for all. Absolutely. Merci. Oh, wow. I'll have to oh. have some, uh, some grouse and take the snow sled team out. <laughs> Go to Waitrose. <laughs> well, <laughs> what a perfectly middle class ending for this episode. Uh, <laughs> au revoir, mes amis. <laughs> au revoir. <laughs> <laughs>